and welcome to another episode of the Little Dudes Insect Academy podcast. I'm super excited to be here with Ashley Dombrowski. And in this episode, we're going to talk about all the really cool stuff she has worked on and that she's um, excited about doing in the future. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me, Brayden. I am really, really excited to be on the show. I've been a longtime listener of the show, but now that I have recently graduated with a degree in entomology, I feel like I am finally worthy, maybe, to come and talk about my experiences in entomology. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. So, I mean, let's just let's just jump right into this, if that's okay. Um, so I'd just like to give, um, to for you to give the audience a kind of a brief overview of what you have done, and then we'll go in and talk about each individual thing. So let's start with where did you go to school and was it entomology, Was were you introduced to entomology at a younger age or at a, at a later age? Sure, I can answer that. And uh, to answer like the latter question first to kind of guide this discussion, I would say that I was introduced initially and then I like rediscovered it in college. So okay. I attended the University of Georgia um, in Athens, Georgia, where I studied entomology. It's one of the few institutions in the U.S. that offers a just degree in entomology. Um, I originally came in as a pre-vet student, so I've always been the outdoorsy type. At first, for like the first 10 years of my life, I was convinced I was going to be like a herpetologist or something, um, just really into being outside. But in middle school, I got really involved in science fairs, and one of my projects had to do with, I didn't know it at the time, I didn't know that it was biological control, but it had to do with biological control methods um, on fly control in horses. So I would say that kind of opened my eyes to entomology, and then once I got to college, and I took like a general entomology survey course, it's like, dude, this is so cool, I want to do this. All right, Um, yeah, so that was a... A good overview. So um, you, you mentioned briefly, you were interested a little bit. Um, well, you've always been interested in you know, the natural world in general. But um, so you were kind of into bugs at a younger age. And then when did you really get really into them and decide that you wanted to do this? Definitely. Uh, so I would say it was my first year of college. And that was the same year that we got sent home for COVID. That was when the pandemic initially hit in March 2020. Uh, so as a previously kind of pre-vet student, I was scrambling to find where I was going to shadow during the pandemic and I wasn't coming up with anything. So I was like, what can I do in entomology instead? Because I, I guarantee there's job openings in that for internships right. and stuff. Uh, Georgia Department of Public Health, of all places, was looking for an intern in vector-borne disease. So, you know, I had been familiarized with entomology. And then that internship really opened my eyes. It was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to do a little field work, a little lab work, and have it all be kind of medically focused. Mm. Very cool. Okay, yeah. So um, when when you did get started and you started um, with that internship, um, you were working with vector-borne diseases. What specifically were you working with? Like what? Um, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, what kind? 
So I was working on uh, medically relevant mosquito species, mostly anopheline mosquitoes in northern Georgia. Uh, We were working on kind of passive surveillance, so trapping mostly. And then I'd go in, I'd sort out what's a mosquito and what's not a mosquito. Um, I'd identify them, and then they'd get sent off for molecular testing for certain molecules that could um, determine whether they were predisposed to carry diseases. Mm, very cool. And how, how long did you do that for? I did that for two years. I did that for most of my undergrad, actually. And it was on the side. So, you know, I drive off campus on the weekends to go and set yeah. my traps all across Georgia. Um, and eventually that got me involved with another kind of surveillance, but this time with ticks. And that was with the CDC. Oh, very cool. Okay. So, yeah. So let's get into that a little bit. What, what have you yeah. done? Since that, um, since that internship, definitely. So that internship, I was working under Dr. Tiffany Wynn and Dr. Rosemary Kelly, who are the um, deputy public health entomologist and public health entomologist, respectively, for the state. Okay. Um, and there was some grant that was in collaboration with the CDC, based out of Atlanta, on ticks specifically like uh, Lone Star Ticks and Asian Longhorn Ticks. And there was no data on the tick diversity, specifically like species diversity in North Georgia. Hmm. They wanted to, you know, establish what ticks are up there. So they're like, hey, we have this mosquito girl um, who's an undergrad and she's done field work before. Why don't we try her out in tick work? Turns out I really, really liked tick work a lot. Um, I feel like medical arthropods are kind of my, my jam. Mm -hmm. And that was a really neat experience. Um, I got to go and do active surveillance this time. So I was out there. What we do uh, is called tick dragging. I had one person come up to me and say that I looked like Linus from like Charlie Brown cartoons because I was dragging literally what was a blanket around a field to get ticks. And that's, that's just how you seek for questing ticks. Um, And then after that, you know, we'd sort them out, we'd identify them, and they'd get sent off for molecular testing again. But um, Mm. I think that was like a really, really solidifying experience for kind of medical entomology and my interests. Yeah, that's really cool. So um, I actually just thought of this. What um, we haven't really talked about ticks on the show before. So this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Okay. So can you kind of explain to the viewer? what makes a tick unique and like what what is different about a tick what is a tick okay so a tick is a non-insect arthropod um they have anywhere from six to eight legs depending on their life stage and some of them are obligate blood feeders much like you know um other obligately hematophagous or blood feeding insects think tsetse flies think kissing bugs think female mosquitoes Um, But the thing with ticks is that there is such a unique species diversity Mm. where it it becomes like medically relevant because each species can carry and vector different diseases and they can carry and vector them at different life stages too. Mm -hmm. So tick control is a lot harder uh, than say, you know, termite control because you have a lot of different life stages to work with and each life stage poses a different threat to um, mammals. Mm. Yeah. And each life stage of different species 
poses a yes. different issue as well. That's, that's exactly. Yeah. So 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 they feed on they they feed on blood um, mm-hmm. of mammals, and so does every species. Are they kind of opportunistic in that they'll feed on pretty much any mammal? Or like, will this one only feed on raccoon or like this one will only feed like this one's favorite is human? Like, is there is there a preference at all? So, I mean, if you've ever had a tick on your dog or a tick on you, um, you see that they're not like too, too picky, especially when you get later into the season and they're in a stage what's called questing, where they're looking actively for a blood meal so mm. that, you know, they can develop and, and grow. Mm-hmm. Um but I would say they're really common on kind of fuzzy outdoor animals. So dogs, deer are a really big thing, and bears. Um, part of my work was working with wildlife management areas in Georgia. So working with game wardens. Um, I'd go out there on like a Saturday, and people, hunters, would bring in the bucks that they had shot. Mm. And I would check and remove any ticks that were on the bucks. Um, Eventually, that morphed into the Georgia annual bear hunt because that's a thing here. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, right. No, exactly. Like we got called out there for the bear hunt to see if there were ticks on the bears. And sure enough, there were. So I feel like that's just testament to the fact that ticks will just kind of get blood from wherever they can, as long as it's a, a large, you know, blood laden mammal. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, so you work specifically with the bloodborne like pathogens. Is that right? In essence? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I'm sure I'm probably segueing into this a little too early, but now I am a graduate student at the university of Georgia. Mm -hmm. I'm in the Vogel lab where we study kissing bugs, which are another obligately hematophagous or blood feeding, um, and medically relevant insect. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like with, within the health, health significant, um, diseases that insects can carry that you're, that you're interested in, um, like, and specifically with ticks, it, everyone, it comes to mind, um, for everyone, it comes to mind is that, uh, Lyme disease, right? Yes. So have you worked with that at all? I know that's like a, probably a big, a big thing that everyone knows about, but, um, have you worked with that at all, or more specifically, uh, a different kind of um, disease that a tick will will transmit? Or, well, the the interesting thing about ticks is, as I highlighted earlier, they vector so many diseases. Mm. So, yes, I could say I've worked with ticks that could potentially spread Lyme disease. I don't do the molecular testing, so I'm not the one determining if they're carrying it or not. Okay, but. Um, Anything from Rocky Mountain spotted fever to Lyme disease to um, recently the the alpha gal molecule, the red meat allergy. That's right. what we were really worried about here in Georgia. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um, th- thank you for giving that kind of overview of ticks for the audience. But um, let, let's move into what you've been working on recently with Definitely. your, your okay. graduate. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm in the Vogel Lab, um, and at the University of Georgia, the Vogel Lab is in the Department of Entomology. Um, We are really fortunate to have such a diverse Department of Entomology, 
But as a result, we've really kind of had to specialize what we study in our lab. Mm-hmm. I would say um, the primary goals of the Vogel lab are to understand how kissing bugs interact with their symbionts, their bacterial kind of mutualistic buddies that live in their gut. Um, what genes in the bug are involved and like what bacterial genes are involved and how does this vary between species? Um, in the lab, we specifically study Rodneus prolixis, which is one of the more medically relevant species of um, kissing bugs. I can go more into depth about why they're medically relevant because not many people know that much about kissing bugs. Yeah, let's do that. That, that would be interesting. Yeah. Sure thing. Um, so kissing bugs, they are hemipterans, but unlike a lot of other hemipterans, you know, yes, they have the piercing sucking mouth parts and they have the body structure of regular hemipterans and they even look like assassin bugs because they're in the same family. But the thing with kissing bugs is that they are obligate blood feeders. They rely on blood meals to molt and develop. Um, And they go through larval instars and they need a blood meal in between each larval instar. So that's like six blood meals. Um, And the problem with kissing bugs is that they are the vector of Chagas disease. And Chagas disease is what we refer to as a tropical neglected disease. It's Mm. a really serious disease, but in second and third world countries, there just really aren't resources for treating it and diagnosing it when it's in kind of its chronic stages. And unfortunately, it can often be fatal as a result. Mm. So for the for the people back at home, they're yes, they're 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 a member of the hemipteran, so they're true bugs. But Mm -hmm. what you're saying is what makes them unique is um, for those of you back at home, um, true bugs all have um, piercing, sucking mouth parts. So some eat fruit from the inside. Um, Some like assassin bugs, like you mentioned, they will pierce a live meal like a small insect, and Mm -hmm. um, and then they'll like eat it from the inside out. So it's really interesting that kissing bugs feed on, you know, blood from the inside. Um, that's really unique because are they the only hemipteran that, that do that or, um, or do you I can't know? think of one yeah. at the moment, honestly. Yeah, I know they're the like the main one that um like the, the main one that most people think of. Um, but yeah, I d I I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to look that up. Um <laughs> Yeah, so they're they're super interesting. Um, so have you found anything um, interesting about? Um, so you have you worked with that disease that they carry that's that's quite fatal, or um, are you working with some of the more um, like like is that is that the disease you're working with, or are you working with a different one? So that's a really good question. Um, it, yes and no. So the Vogel Lab is. We cannot handle the Chagas disease trypanosome. It's a parasite. It's highly contagious. It's super dangerous to work with. We are more of a kind of microbiological and molecular biology lab more than anything. We're focusing on why these bugs are so good at carrying this trypanosomal parasite and then vectoring it. And how does this parasite potentially interact with the symbionts, the the bacterial species that live in this bug and and help it live. And these bacterial species are responsible for 
processing and creating B vitamins. Uh, B vitamins are necessary for these bugs to live, but they're not abundant in the vertebrate blood that they feed on. Mm. So they have to find a way to like supplement that. And, you know, bacterial symbionts have co-evolved with these bugs to do that. And as a result, there is kind of a limited diversity of bacterial species that live endosymbiotically. So within these bugs, um, and we're studying more the bacterial species, how these bugs are acquiring them, because, you know, some of them are picked up over the bug's lifetime. Um, and we're seeing our bugs that are reared in the lab in like sterile conditions, Hmm. different from bugs that we go and collect from the field. Uh, How does that affect their growth and development? If we remove bacterial species altogether, can they still grow and develop? The answer is no to that, by the way, Hmm. um, because they need those B vitamins. So we're not directly studying Chagas disease, um, but we're studying the implications of bacterial species in these bugs that vector Chagas disease. Mm, interesting. So, so, so you're trying to figure out why specifically they go to the kissing bug as a as a vector versus anything else, right? Exactly. You got it. So, so you mentioned that it's also in uh, second and third world countries. What mm-hmm. is their vector there? Is it is it like a relative to the kissing bug, or how do they transmit there? Yeah, totally. So there are about 130 species of kissing bugs. Okay. In the Vogel lab, we're focused on Rodneus prolixus mainly, but we've gotten a couple other species recently from the CDC to kind of rear. And those are more tropical species, actually. From uh, Some of them are from Brazil. Um, they're all vectored by kissing bugs. Like, granted, there are other hosts like raccoons or pack rats um, that may carry the trypanosome. Yeah. But um, ultimately it is the kissing bug that vectors it or, or, you know, directly gives a host the disease. Uh, I think there's, I could totally be wrong on this anywhere from like nine to 20 species that are capable of effectively spreading Chagas disease. Mm. Um but we're studying kind of the big four or five. I see. So, so yeah. Okay. So, so in the second and third world countries, um, Chagas disease can still be transmitted by the, by the native uh, species of kissing bug. That's yes. I see. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering that. Okay. Um, That's really interesting. So, um, so what are you exactly looking for? Like the reason as to why this is so effective at carrying it or mm-hmm. like, like what exactly are you looking for? Are you looking for a solution to like eliminate the disease or what's going on with that? So that's another kind of multifaceted question. Yeah. Um, in biological control, there's a concept called paratransgenesis. Okay. So I'm sure a lot of your viewers are familiar with what, you know, transgenic mosquitoes or transgenic crops are. These are things that have been genetically edited um, to reflect some sort of positive attribute that maybe reduces pests in some way. Right. Paratransgenesis uses that um, somewhat in a way that will kind of have the bacterial symbionts that are already in the kissing bug, for example, Mm -hmm. and they'll team up against like the parasite that's there. 
that's kind of like the overall purpose of why we are studying what we're studying with the bacterial symbionts um, is, you know, in 50 years, for all we know, uh, paratransgenesis could be used to reduce and mitigate the risks of Chagas disease. At least that's the hope. You know, we're just studying um, kind of the bacterial species that they have. And what we're finding is that a lot of these bugs, so we study four or five different species in the lab, right. and we're trying to see what bacteria they have. And what we're finding is that they have different bacteria. So it's really interesting. Like they're closely related insects. They're in the same family. You'd think that they right. have really similar bacterial symbionts, but no. And there's obviously a lot more work to be done here. Um, but paratransgenesis is kind of like the overarching goal. And that's usually how I uh, propose the importance of what I do to, you know, normal people who don't appreciate what a kissing bug is. Right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So let's, um, I think this would be a good time to kind of get into more of your, um, life. So I, I'd like to, I, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, I was wondering, um, who is like one of your inspirations either in the world of entomology, the world of science or just life in general? Like, did you have a mentor growing up or, um, was there somebody at school that you um, kind of inspire to or aspire to um, work like or like who's your who's your inspiration? Um, I have two. Okay. One I know and one I do not know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first one is in the University of Georgia's Department of Entomology. Her name is Dr. Patricia Moore. Um She's one of our grad program advisors, but she's a huge advocate for, you know, supporting people of color and women and, you know, people from different backgrounds in entomology, because historically it hasn't been a very diverse field. And I think it's really wonderful that she's supporting students um, in that area. She sponsored me to go to my very first ESA conference. So she's super, super cool to me. Like, so special the other person is a person i don't know Mm -hmm. um yeah she's uh one of the scientists behind the um goodness crispr editing like gene editing right uh emmanuel charpentier she's just so cool (laughs) um and she just like kept going and kept kind of plowing through her research against all odds even when facing lawsuits and um just like was really steadfast with her science and that's kind of what i aim to be ultimately as a scientist that's awesome yeah those those are both um really awesome i love to hear about um who people look up to and you know most people have somebody that they don't even know personally um, right but yeah it's awesome to know that um so in your spare time what are some of the things you go to um when you're you know, tired of work and school or whatever. And like, what's your hobby? Like, do you have any hobbies that, that you enjoy in your spare time? Sure thing. Uh, so I guess outside of bugs, my next big thing are dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, love dogs in undergrad. I raised service dogs. So, you know, dogs got to go to class with me. They That's got awesome. to live in my dorm with me. I honestly kind of selfishly like signed up so that I could have a dog in my dorm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then I loved it. And most recently, um, 
the dog that I finished raising actually went on to work with a Vietnam veteran as a mobility service dog. That's awesome. Um, I'd really like to continue raising service dogs, honestly, and actually emphasize on mobility service dogs mm. for people in wheelchairs. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, so dogs, anything else? Um, honestly, being a grad student is kind of like working two full-time jobs. So I get home, I have my dog personally, and we go for a walk, and I was like, whew, I am tired. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed now. Mm-hmm. So nothing at the moment, um, but I do really like hiking. I really love running. Obviously, insect collection is a huge part of my life. As I can see the the Cornell drawer behind you, it's oh, yeah. like, yes, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's move on to what you have planned for the future, if anything. Um, yes. So what what are you excited about working on in the future? Do you want to kind of shift your focus or do you want to keep working with what you're currently what you're currently doing with um, kissing bugs and whatnot? Um, do you kind of want to shift focus? Are there any fun trips you want to go on? Um, any fun projects you want to do? Uh, what do you have planned for the future? Wonderful. Okay. Uh, I'll start with trips. So okay. UGA, the University of Georgia, our entomology department has a an entomology specific trip to um, Ecuador and the Galapagos. I want to go on that first of all before I finish this grad degree. Like, I'm going to go and see a Galapagos tortoise. Um, yeah. <laughs> but kind of grand scheme goals. The reason I've focused so much on medically relevant arthropods and you know vector borne disease. Um, And the reason I'm getting a graduate degree is because after I finish this master's degree in entomology, I really plan on commissioning in the United States Army as an entomologist. And I realize that you've already had one of those on your show before. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They are so hard to find. So that is like, I listened to that podcast and my ears like perked up. I was like, this is so cool. Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want to do. Just mitigating risk for soldiers and the deployed in the field and applying all of the field and laboratory techniques that I've acquired kind of over my career and really making a difference with them. Um, my fiance is also in the army, so it would just be convenient if we both worked for the same place. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, military entomologist. I had no idea it was even a thing. <laughs> Eric was right? on the show. Yeah. Um, that was super cool. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. That's, uh, that's super exciting. That's a super bizarre, like, um, unique path for entomology, um, for sure. Super niche. Yeah. Not yeah. Very niche. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So if we can go ahead and wrap this up, I think, um, this has been a great episode so far. So, um, I was just wondering if there's any place that the viewers can go like, uh, social media or website, um, where they can follow along with what you're doing and then uh, like what you're going to do in the future. Sure. Um, so I have social media. Uh, my kind of online presence is, I want to say like glamorizing entomology. It is such a field oriented thing, especially when you're working, you know, with stuff like medically relevant arthropods and a lot of heavy field work and right. ticks and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. Let's make it pink. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I have an Instagram following. 
uh, under the account Entomology Barbie. Okay. All lowercase. Uh, you can find me on there. You can see kind of what I'm working on. You can see what collections I'm doing. Really fun. Um, really, really low key. But if you want to look more into the research that I talked about, I would definitely check out the Vogel Lab. That's V-O-G-E-L Lab at uh, the University of Georgia. Okay. Um, I'm just a tiny, tiny little puzzle piece of what the lab is working on as a whole. And right. there are so many other cool projects that need to be highlighted in that lab. So if you're curious about kissing bugs or microbiome dynamics, definitely check out that website. Very cool. Okay. And I'll leave a few links in the description of this episode so you guys can go and check that out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, Ashley. This was a really awesome episode. Um, and I'm glad we were able to make this work out. Thank you so, so much. This was so fun. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.